Hello, this is Megan, and Megan has a childhood. It's going to be our last episode of the year. We saved the best for last. Beauty and the Beast, of course. Hope you have a wonderful holiday and enjoy the episode. Okay. Bonjour. (laughs) Stop. Au revoir. What other French do I know? Salut. Comme si, comme ça. Je femme. Je soif. Je suis stupide. Mm-hmm. Big facts. Je déteste les hommes. Men? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's <what I> thought. <laughs> Welcome to Megan. Has... Je vais... Hold on, oh. I got one more. I got one more. Okay. Je vais aller... Je, wait, hold on. Je vais aller à, je vais, je vais à la, je vais à la piscine. I don't know. I think it means I want to go to the pool or I'm at the pool. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bravo. Continue. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is Megan has a childhood. Mm-hmm. Episode 16. I am Megan. Shamapel Abbey. Oh, that was good. I should have thought of that. <laughs> Damn. Oh, well. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Perfect. Joyeux anniversaire, la belle et la bête. Bravo. I'm basically French. You basically. How do you say <laughs> The other day at work, I started laughing because... I so I was like sitting there all alone and I was looking to see how to spell this patient's name and their name was Jonathan and I was like is it a than and then I started laughing because <laughs> I could only think of fucking than anyway I thought about rewatching the most popular girls in school the web series on YouTube the other day but I forgot maybe I'll do that tonight while I'm avoiding my responsibilities I tried to make Jacob watch it, and we got through one episode, and he was like, maybe we should try something else. I was like, maybe I I should leave you forever. I do wonder, like, if we watched that now, you know, if the first time we watched it now, if we would like it as much, or if it was just, like, one of those things where we were together, and we were, you know, 15, 16, in a goofy, silly mood, and (laughs) just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. I feel like we'd still find I feel like we'd still find it's pretty funny. it's pretty on par with our humor stuff. Uh, yeah. Sure. Highbrow comedy. For sure. Anyway. Anyway. Our our very beautiful French performance there is in honor of our watching Beauty and the Beast this episode. That is what we watched, and we've both seen it many, many times. And it is my favorite. Really contended by Tangled, though. But It's a good one, for sure. I forgot how much I liked it. 
and I feel like I'll discuss that later, but there are a lot of moments where I was like, oh, wait a second, like, this is a really good movie. Before I watched it, I was really worried. I was like, have I just, like, been hyping this up? Did I really like right. it that much? Is it going to be that great as I rewatch it? And like you said, there were so many moments that I was like, mm-hmm. this is making me feel some stuff. Yeah. 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 It, it does. I was very pleased with it. Yeah, it does live up. I wanted to watch the live action after it, even though it's, like, not that great, but just because I wanted to. And I'm a lot Well, I have a question about... So, you... I remember after you first saw it, the live action one, that you really liked it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it sort of reawakened something in you, like, your love for Belle or something. I remember you were really, really obsessed with it for a while. Yeah. Um, I did not like it. I thought it was fine. Um... I just, I think aesthetically, Emma Watson is, was perfect for the part. Like, she yeah. looks, I mean, she looked great. I just don't think she's that great of an actress. I just don't think that she's that great of a singer. I really like her, like, as a person. Mm-hmm. But she's not, like, my cup of tea when it comes to this kind of stuff. And so I think that kind of ruined it for me. But otherwise, I think the cast of, casting in that movie was really great. Yeah, I really I enjoyed it. It wasn't, I just... I mean, I don't, like, really enjoy any of the live-action remakes that I've seen, but I actually was able to watch and enjoy that one, so I think maybe it was that that really played into it, that it was so much better than the others that I was, like... Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And it could have just been, like... My love That for, moment of yeah. ta- in time, you know what I mean, as well, like, just the way that you were feeling and... Yeah, for sure. For yeah. Sure. Anyway, do you want to tell me about... Beauty and the Beast? I do want to tell you about the Beauty and the Beast. Okay. Go ahead. Beauty and the Beast is a 1991 American animated musical romantic fantasy film produced by... Celebrating its 30th year. I was getting to that. That's why we're doing this episode. It's also the 30th Disney animated feature film. Oh, perfect. (laughs) It was the third release during the Disney Renaissance period. And it is based on the 1756 French fairy tale of the same name by Jean-Marie Le Prince de Beaumont. Oof. <laughs> How'd I do? That was rough. <laughs> did you, when you were in French, like, class, did your, um... My professor tell me I was shit all the time. You're frozen. No, but did she ever say anything about, like, your accent? Oh, yeah. What did you say? Did you say? You were frozen for a minute. Did she say- Oh, I'm sorry. I had to get up and pull my pants up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's work on your accent. Is that what you said? Yeah, for sure. I remember, so, like, I was really, like, in high school when I took it in high I'm sorry, I, another story time here. Um, I was really, like, embarrassed through the accent, so I would just... Me too! Yeah! So I never did it. But then when I got to college, I was like, I don't give a fuck anymore. So I, like, really went in on it, and I was really obnoxious about it because um, I had friends in my French classes and I kind of wanted to make them giggle a little bit but my teacher was always, always the like show. oh that was your accent was so good blah, blah, blah. and I was like thank you merci <laughs> <laughs> yeah I so I don't really know the specifics but I know there was only one French professor at like when I started going to college there was only one French professor And he was teaching all of the classes, like, the cultural ones and the language ones and everything. And I think he was, he taught another language as well. 
and he was just like overloaded and the French program just went for this really weird turn and they hired a professor who I think it was like her first time being a college professor and she wasn't using like the right material that he wanted to use for the program or something like that but then couldn't like he couldn't take the weight back on and just kind of was like well just get through it and kind of like just had her pass everybody and I don't think I would have made it through if that did not happen if it wasn't in turmoil well I feel like we talked about this before about how you both failed we both one or two yep <laughs> um I think I deserved the fail I'm not gonna oh lie. Like, for I sure I didn't do very good in French in high school and I didn't do very good in French my first two years and then once I was failed um we had a pretty big languages I don't know what it's like now but when I first started at my college we had a pretty big languages situation like the guy that ran the whole thing was from France and then my first teacher for the first two years was from France actually three three semesters because I had to retake it with the same teacher that failed me I really liked her though actually like I wasn't even bitter mm-hmm. about it um and then, I don't know, she got in a fight with, like, the main guy, I guess. There was some drama. Like, I went in to go see my counselor and uh, or my advisor, and she, like, gave me all the gas. And I was like, yeah, she's not going to be there next semester. And I was like, ooh, what happened? And just apparently they just, like, didn't really like each other, and she took, like, a high school teaching job somewhere. And then my French 201, so, like, my third semester of French, technically fourth, mm-hmm. um, she was from China <laughs> and spoke, like, 10 different languages like she knew everything she mm-hmm. was so smart but she was very confusing um and I don't think I would have passed that had I not retaken 102 and did so well at that yeah and then my last semester was a woman from Senegal and she it was like fluent and stuff and she was so she had the most relaxing voice on the planet and I just wanted to fall asleep in her class every day <laughs> that's yeah Anyway. But anyway, now that you know all that unnecessary information, information yeah. about us being bad at French. Um, so Beauty and the Beast tells the story of a prince who is cursed to spend his days as a hideous monster. And he sets out to regain his humanity by earning a young woman's love. Walt Disney first attempted to adapt Beauty and the Beast into an animated film during the 30s and the 50s, but was unsuccessful both times. Beauty and the Beast finally premiered as an unfinished film at the New York Film Festival on September 29th in 1991, and was followed by its theatrical release as a completed film at the El Capitan Theater on November 13th. The film grossed $331 million at the box office worldwide on a $25 million budget, which sounds good to me, but again, I don't understand movie numbers. I don't either. (laughs) It received widespread critical acclaim for its romantic narrative, its animation, its characters, and its musical numbers. Beauty and the Beast won the Golden Globe Award for the Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, and it was the first animated film to ever win that category. It also became the first animated film to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture, where um, it did not win there. It lost out to Silence of the Lambs, which was one of young Megan's favorites, something she was watching when she should have been having a childhood. Put the lotion in the basket. 
beautiful. Thank you. It did uh, win the best, uh, or the Academy Award for Best Original Score, though, and Best Original Song for the Beauty and the Beast song. And who did the music in this film again? Alan Menken. Um, it was also Disney's first uh, film to be adapted into a Broadway musical. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Well, actually, the other day my mom went to a retirement party. I promise this swings back around. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was like, she's like, you'll never guess who I ran into. And I don't want to say her name, but uh, it was a woman who was a librarian for my first two years of elementary school. And my mom taught at my elementary school. Um, and I remember, like, I don't know, I was, like, 12 or something. So this was, like, six years after this woman retired. We ran into her in a grocery store. And she's like, Abby, do you want to go see the Beauty and the Beast with me? And I thought it was, like, going to be, like, me, my mom, this woman. No. Like, just she came to her? pick me up. And it was just me in the car with this woman I haven't talked to in six years. And she was very nice. Like, I, and what a nice thing, you know, to do for, you know, your friends, your old friend's kid or whatever. But I, it was so uncomfortable. And all I remember is after, I think it was like some random high school production of it, somewhere it wasn't like Chicago or anything. Right. All I remember is like being so uncomfortable and I had to pee, but I didn't want to ask to go pee. <laughs> and after the thing was over, we went to some like reception room where you could like meet the cast and she like made me take pictures with them. I don't have those pictures. I don't know if she has those pictures or whatever. I she did. And I remember there were like cookies, chocolate chip cookies. And I bit into it and it tasted like cigarettes. So whoever made it, like so obviously probably a smoker. Because I'm really sensitive to that kind of stuff, you know? You can just, you can just taste people's houses and sometimes and things sometimes, you know? Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, if it's something like that, yeah, I can imagine that. But I don't think I've ever experienced tasting somebody's house and what they have made me. Like, if people have a lot of dogs and there's, like, pee in their house, like, I swear to God, I can taste the pee in the food. Okay. Anyway. I believe you. So I have seen this. It's your sixth sense. (laughs) I I really do think I'm like a super taster. (laughs) Super smeller or something. Because I taste things way too strongly and it makes me feel feel ill. Like cheeses and stuff, it's too much. It literally overpowers (laughs) me. And okay, here's another thing. So we were watching my little nephew. We were watching my little nephew and I was holding him and he was farting on me, okay? And baby farts have a very distinct smell. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, hours after he left, I could still smell his baby farts <laughs> on my clothes. I swear to God, I have like oh. I have kind of a kind of a big nose. There's a lot of power in there. I'm crying. <laughs> Okay, let's move on from, from that. Is that where you thought that story was going to go? No. <laughs> I never really... What's the Michael Scott quote? Like, sometimes it's just I finish a sentence. Or I start a sentence. I don't know what I'm going to say. Uh, My stories rarely end up, like, where they're supposed to, because I swear to God, I think I might have a little bit of ADHD or something, because I just don't know how to stay on track ever. Um, that was a total simulation moment, because we, like, before, 
um, getting on here. We were watching The Office and we haven't had it on in forever. And put it on today and then you bring up The Office. We're in a simulation. I am convinced. Another thing is that, you know, the little fire dragon from Frozen, Bruni? Is that from the second one? Yeah. Is that the little lizard guy? The little lizard guy, yeah. Yeah. Well, we were getting our tree the other day and picking out ornaments, and we picked out, like, a Bruni one. We didn't end up getting it, but we were, like, looking at it. And then that same day, we were listening to a podcast later, and they were randomly talking about Bruni from Frozen. And then the next day, we were at a grocery store and there was um a little lego set to build him which like yeah. frozen came out what three years ago or something like that and that know. podcast was the first time i ever actually heard the little lizard's like actual name yeah i just right. knew it as the fire spirit <laughs> so hmm. simulation simulation I had something weird like that happen to me too, but it was like a phrase, like a word or a phrase or something that I'd never heard before, and then I kept hearing it everywhere. Weird shit. For sure. Anyways, let's get into... I need to stop saying anyway. I feel like I say that too much. Anyways, I say it a lot too. I have a lot Moving on. Mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast begins with some ominous music playing in the background while it does the couple credits. <laughs> Perfect. (laughs) It opens on a little clearing in a forest. There's some deer, some birds fluttering around. I almost said burbs because I have it written as burbs. (laughs) And the camera draws closer to this castle in the background. And the (laughs) the narrator... The narrator begins... Telling the story with the classic Once Upon a Time in a Land Far Away and tells us the story of a young prince who had a poor old woman come to his castle door and ask for shelter and in return she would give him a single rose, which would be payment enough for me personally. If he brought me a pretty flower, I'd be like, yeah, sure, you can come chill for the night. But it was not for him. Um, the entitled prince just scoffed and shooed her away. She warned him not to be swayed by appearances because beauty is found within. She says this, and he once again is like, nah, get out of here. So she then reveals herself as a sexy enchantress lady, and then the prince is like, oh no, I didn't mean it. You can stay with me, but it was too late. As she had seen that there was no love in his heart. So... To teach him a lesson, she turns him into a beast, and all the peaceful, the peaceful, God, I suck, and all the people in his castle into inanimate objects. The rose she offered him was an enchanted rose, and he was to learn to love a woman and earn her love by the time the last petal fell. If he did this, the spell would be broken. If not, he would be a beast forever what like it and i just after i watched the whole intro i was like you know what this movie nails that like it's such a simple concept don't judge a book by its cover right and they just built a whole like beautiful story around it and just like the the i don't know comparison and the contrast and the 
Gaston beast thing, like which one's mm-hmm. the real beast and all that, just was so beautifully done and it's amazing. Also, this beginning with like the stained glass that they use to show the story, perfect. Love it. Beautiful. For sure. Very uh, old French Catholic <laughs> vibes. Yeah. Yep. Um, I used to have. A little forever roast thing but it was given to me by someone we will not name <laughs> so i really wanted to keep it because it was super pretty and i love beauty and the beast but i was mm-hmm. like this holds too much like emotional significance Wait. so i threw it away and mm. somebody still hasn't gotten me one even though i said hey you should get me a replacement <laughs> <laughs> you should have i feel like we've talked about this before, you know, from your ex and stuff, like things that you wanted to get rid of. I really just feel like rather than giving things away or throwing it away, like you should try and turn it into something new. And so maybe you should have smashed the glass on it and done something like, I don't know, taken the rose out and turned it into some weird ironworks situation. I don't know. It's too late now, but I'll remember that for the next time my relationship ends. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but anyway, after this whole intro thing, my only qualm with this movie, my only issue, is that fucking title. Like, the title opening, like, the... Yeah, like, the it weird... Was so ugly. Yeah, it was like gross. The is ugly, the color, ugly. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like it looked like an old rock album title or something. Yes. Like, it was, like, a hair band that they were, yeah. That was truly my only issue with this movie. It was very jarring. Yeah. And then she the whole the narration closes with the whole for who could ever love a beast, which is just my favorite. I love it. And then we shift to a quiet little village. Nice sunrise in the background, and a beautiful young lady named Belle appears from her home. She is starting her day, going for a stroll, and starts singing. The opening song, Belle, where you get a little taste into her life in the town that she's in. Um, She notes that every day is like the one before. It's a quiet village full of people with no aspirations, just doing their day-to-day thing. And when I was watching it, I watched Gilmore Girls this morning, and it reminded me of Stars Hollow. It's a little... I guess I could see that. This is... I fucking love this song so much. This is like because I have Disney radios on my Pandora. Mm-hmm. And when this one comes up, like, it's a no-skip. And I think I love it so much because I love doing different voices and different characters. Yeah. And there's so many, like, mm-hmm. Marie, the maggots! <laughs> <laughs> like, I love doing the voices. I think it's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, Belle is voiced by Paige O'Hara. And this is her first credit, and it seems like the only thing she really does is voice Belle in different things. Like, Honestly, she found her niche. Yeah. Why bother doing anything else? Yeah, I know. She does Belle in the Wreck-It Ralph movie, Ralph Breaks the Internet, um, like the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse stuff. She voiced Belle, just all that stuff. Um, throughout this song, Belle tries to kind of connect with the townsfolk, has to tell them about her books and her aspirations, but no one really bites and wants to talk about anything. They go on to discuss how peculiar she, 
peculiar she is and what a shame because she's just so pretty and that's all that matters that's what i i've put in other i really appreciate that they do all admit that she's hot yeah there's like there's nothing worse than like in books and movies and stuff and there's someone who's clearly really hot and everyone's like she's like so plain yeah. like who cares about her she's not like other girls we eventually are introduced to gaston and his loyal companion lefou Gaston is voiced by Richard White, who, again, just voices Gaston in various things and is a voice in a couple of video games. LeFou is voiced by Jesse Cordy, who has a bunch of random, like, small, nothing notable, just different, like, voices in a couple episodes of different TV shows and things like that. Gaston is the absolute worst. Gaston was my first experience with I can change him. <laughs> My love can change him. Okay. <laughs> because, okay, I got another story time here. <laughs> because, so you know the three blonde girls that simp over him? Yes. I was, like, really obsessed with them for some reason. I always find, like, a weird character, like, some just off character in these movies that I just really loved when I was a kid. And I was obsessed with them, especially the one in the red dress. And so when I was maybe like six, I went to a babysitter's house and she had, I mean, her walls were basically glass cases that had all these like trinkets in them, you know, like these glass trinkets. And she had a trinket of the, like trinkets of the three simps. (laughs) And I was being babysat with two other girls and I would fucking throw hands. Like, I would be <laughs> the, the one in the red dress, and she had the guest on, and I was like, I'm going to get guest on. Like, he's mine. I'm going to change him. He's going to be, he's going to love me. Like, I was so obsessed with them, and I was really obsessed with the idea of him only loving me. Wow. Looking back, like, what a toxic, gross creep. <laughs> like, I'm not attracted to him, but you know uh to show what a toxic gross creep is he says to lefou she's the most beautiful girl in town and that makes her the best and don't i deserve the best just disgusting mm-hmm. and i will say so we were talking about the live action earlier oh don't even that we well hold on listen we might have disagreeing opinions here because we've discussed how we feel about josh gab before yes okay but I do think he's a great choice yeah. for LeFou. Yeah. The voice, the looks, I think he was a good choice. Yeah. Especially when I was, I had that thought when I was watching this again, that, like, there's nobody else who could have, mm-hmm. yeah, made it happen. Thank God it wasn't James Corden. I feel like he probably would have gunned for that part. Was he in this movie, in the live action? Mm-mm. Did he have a part? Okay. I don't know who he would have played. Maybe one of, like, the castle, like, a cup or something. Isn't Stanley Tucci, like, somebody in the castle? I don't know. I'm trying to think think of people. Is he the clock? I don't know. I know the candle is Ian... Ian... Ewan McGregor? Ewan McGregor. I was going to say Ian McEwan, who's an author. I always get them (laughs) confused. He is Obi-Wan Kenobi, yeah. I don't know. We'll figure it out later. Yeah. Continue. Well, I'm sure we'll get to the live-action one someday and just shit on them, but... 
So screenwriter Linda Wolverton intended for Belle to be a woman of the 90s, stating, I'm not critical of Snow White, Cinderella. They reflected the values of their time, but it just wasn't in me to write a throwback. I wanted a woman of the 90s, someone who wanted to do something other than wait for her prince to come. Wolverton also said that Belle was inspired by Joe from Little Women. Hmm. That makes sense with the reading and the confidence and, uh, you know, during her opening song, she very clearly states, I don't want to live here forever. There must be more to this life. I want adventure. That's very Joe. Yep. So then we see Gaston and Belle have their first interaction, which she starts by stealing her book away from her and telling her that the whole town is talking about how her and how it's not right for a girl to read because soon she'll start thinking and getting ideas and what a shame that would be she tells gaston that he is positively primeval to which he responds why thank you Belle." he continues harassing her and trying to boast about what a magnificent specimen of a man he is and then lefou makes a comment about Belle's father being a little bit mentally iffy and of course Gaston laughs along with that, but then once Belle says something, he's like, don't you talk about her dad like that. Because he wants to marry Belle because she's pretty, and, and that's it. As they are talking, an explosion occurs in the distance, and Belle knows it's her dad and hurries off to help him. They get there, he's working on some sort of event, invention, which I still don't understand. She's telling her dad that he's great, and he's going to go far, and this is going to be the one that gives him success. Belle's father, his name is Maurice. He is voiced by Rex Everhart, who was, I didn't know him from anything. He was in the old 70s Superman and the original Friday the 13th, and then a bunch of random small stuff. I don't think he had any notable, like, lead roles or anything. What's our uh, dead mom count (laughs) at this point? Because she's another one. <laughs> yeah, she is another another one without a mom. And then Belle asks her dad if he thinks that she is odd. And he's like, why would you ask that? And she says that she's not sure she fits in with the people. She can't talk to anybody there. She's like, they just sang a whole fucking song about yeah. it like two minutes ago right in front of me. <laughs> Gaston told me. I mean, I'm hearing it from every direction. <laughs> And he says not to worry because he's going to make this invention work and they're going to get out of there, start a new life. Um, When he does get it to start working, he hurries off on their horse-drawn carriage to some sort of science fair, I'm assuming. He says, I'm going to go to the fair. I don't know. Probably, like, I think it takes place this in, like, what, the 1700s or 1800s? So it was probably, like, a World's Fair situation. Yeah, yeah. But on his way there, science fair. <laughs> like I don't know, man. They if they had inventors they had fairs, cutouts with the explanation written on it, they could. The puffy paint. Bunch of a bunch of dudes just getting together, showing their presentations to each other. Yeah, but that's just the image that came into my head when he said science fair. Um, but on his way to the fair, he gets lost in the woods. And there is a part here that has a hidden reference to Disneyland. And one of the road signs he's looking at, it says Anaheim, which is home to Disneyland. I believe there were other signposts that said, like, Burbank and Valencia as well. And Burbank is, like, where I think Walt Disney Studios was. And Valencia is just, I don't know, it's a town in California. 
my cousin lives there. <laughs> but I absolutely love that her dad, you know, that man refused to ask directions. And then the horse, when the horse was like, uh, I have, way, yeah, now. I have that note, that part <laughs> noted. And then later when he, he realizes the situation's sticky, he like blames the He's horse. like, where, do, where like, did you take me? Yeah. Excuse me? Yeah. That, that, well, you just took my whole next note, but whatever. Sorry. Just a typical, typical man behavior. Just go off. Uh, just a quick little animation note. Beauty and the Beast was the work of 600 Disney animators and artists. The crew spent a total of four years drawing and painting the animations before using then-modern computer technology to create the film. It is the second Disney film and the first prestige film to use computer animation production system, or CAPS for short. It's a digital scanning, ink, paint, and compositing system of software and hardware developed for Disney by Pixar. It allowed for care. No, go ahead. It allowed for characters and scenery to be picked to be depicted in a wider range of colors, and to be placed on separate layers to give the illusion of depth. I feel like every movie we watch, there's always there's a, some a fact new... about we've invented something completely new yeah. just for this movie. Yeah. Which I mean, go off. That's what makes them great. What, yeah. yeah. And I'm always impressed by the animation. Me too. Um, so Belle's father gets all turned around and ends up in front of a large dark castle in this part of the forest that's tucked away and just shrouded in darkness. When he knocks on the door, it just opens up, so he walks inside. Um, he's shouting around for anyone that's there and says he just needs a place to stay for the night. Some of the objects in the castle are peering around corners, whispering, and then they go out and talk to him. The candle holder, Lumiere, says that he is welcome to stay a while, while the clock, Mr. Cogsworth, is like, no, he's not. That's not a good idea. Don't let him stay here. Get him out. I'm obsessed with them. Yes. I love them. They're the two sides of my personality. Just, like, absolutely horny, and then, like, the other one is... <laughs> chasing around the feather following duster. following Yeah. What'd you say? When he's chasing around the feather duster and everything, trying to... Oh, my God. Yeah. Again, as a kid, I was, like, really, again, really <laughs> obsessed with the Feather Duster and their whole relationship. I was very, very invested. And I remember I had, <clears throat> I think I got it from, like, the Disney store back in the day. They had these, like, big, big square sets, and you could, they had all the characters. And I remember the Feather Duster was in there, and I really loved Making them kiss? The Feather Duster. <laughs> feather Duster and the candlestick, yeah. Uh, um... Yeah, so then we see a shadowy figure lurking from afar. More of the objects come in and assist Maurice and try to comfort him and get him warm. warm. But then the door swings open. The cold wind flies in. The menacing music begins and the beast enters. Very, very angry. Mr. Cogsworth, of course, is like, I told them not to, like, immediately Mm -hmm. snitching. Um, Again, me. Yes, again, you. (laughs) One of the characters that we're introduced to is Mrs. Potts. Mrs. Potts was originally named Mrs. Chamomile. Producer Don Hahn told Vanity Fair that the name was an attempt to create the most soothing possible association with the character. She's like a I feel like warm. Potts is cuter though. It's more yeah, like a yeah. like a 
like a bubbly old woman that you just mm -hmm. he decided on mrs potts because it was easy to rhyme and it was more easy for kids to pronounce for sure she's um, voiced by angela lansbury mrs potts murder she wrote voiced by angela lansbury yes she's the only one who i feel like so far has had any significant uh she is the only one yeah like the only recognizable famous before and famous mm -hmm. after um cogsworth the clock was voiced by david ogden steers he has a bunch of small roles in disney movies he was one of the smithsonian professors in atlantis he's one of the like um people in pocahontas he has a voice in lilo and stitch he's also on the regular show which i really enjoyed in high school and haven't watched since but notable and lumiere was voiced by jerry orbach who is in all the law and orders yeah. yeah that was the only other name that i like recognize yeah was jerry orbach the one that was in is he the one with the john mulaney joke no which one was that i don't remember but i know it's i can't remember the, the one the eye is the eye joke right yeah. Was Jerry Orbach the one in Dirty Dancing? He is in Dirty Dancing, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yep. Which, my guilty pleasure movie. I love that it's movie. It's a good movie. Again, super horny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time horny. Um, so the Beast tells him that he's not welcome. He needs to leave because he thinks he's just there to make a spectacle of the Beast. But he ends up locking him away in the castle as punishment. The Beast is a mashup of a bunch of different animals. He has the mane of a lion, the beard and head of a buffalo, the brow of a gorilla, the eyes of a human, the tusks of a wild boar, the, bodies, the body of a bear, and the legs and tail of a wolf. So they just threw everything together that terrifies a person and was like, here you go. Um... In the Chinese version of Beauty and the Beast, Jackie Chan does the dubbed voice for the Beast. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. yeah. I have to, like, YouTube uh, Yeah, in the article I read, it had a clip. clip in it, yeah. Oh, cool. So we cut back to the village. LeFou and Gaston are in some bushes plotting a surprise for Belle. And the surprise for Belle is a wedding. <laughs> Um, when he goes to Belle trying to convince her to marry him, he says, everybody else wants me, so you'd be lucky to have me. I'm here to make your dreams come true. And she says, what do you know of my dreams? And he tries to paint this picture, trying to entice her, and says, we'll be at my hunter's lodge. You'll be waiting on me, rubbing my feet, because, you know, that's what every girl dreams of, is to just wait on a man. That's, that's it. And he talks about their strong sons that will be like there. seven of them. Yeah. And, you know, they'll inherit his toxic masculinity and all that mm -hmm. good stuff. Belle, of course, rejects Gaston and embarrasses in front of everybody. And she goes off wandering, singing some more, getting all of her frustration out. While she's wandering, she runs into the horse we mentioned earlier and notices that her father isn't there. And has the horse Felipe take her back to rescue him. If you want to, <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I'm 
Muffle Gross. I do want to say that in this scene where he's like in her house, like, you know, saying all that shit, that she's being very nice to him, but trying to get him out. It was a little, I don't want to say they were triggered, but it was like, oof, like, I know what that's like. You know what I mean? Just trying to be nice to a man so they don't fucking murder you. Yeah. And, yeah. <gasps> leaving school or something like that at night and somebody in the class okay. yeah or being in customer service and having men stay at the place till you get off trying to do that shit yeah it's there was a guy i'm sure i've told you this before but there was a guy my freshman year of high school i had a class with him and he would like stare at me like he sat in front of me but he would like constantly look behind him to look at me and then, <clears throat> so I just always thought he was creepy. And then we happened to get partnered together uh, in a computer lab one day. And then he thought that was like permission to like, thought that was like an invitation to, you know, be friends, to talk to me and shit. And that day he followed me out and was like trying to talk to me the whole time, followed me. We were in a very far building, by the way, from where my car was. And he lived in the dorms, so he had to go that way anyway. He followed me all the way to my car and then, like, shoved his phone in my face and uh, was like, give me your number, like, you know. And I was like, "Uh, I'm not going to text you. Like, I'm just going to be straight with you. Like, that's like this is not happening. He's like, it's just for class, like, just, you know, because we're partners. And I was like, well, we're not partners anymore. Like, this was just, like, a one-day thing. He's like, just give it to me. Just give it to me. I was like, fine. So I gave it to him so he didn't fucking murder me. And uh, by the way, this guy had, like, a chunk of his ear bitten off from a dog. And he had, like, a big bald spot on the back of his head. And I'm not trying, like, you know, this is a movie about not judging books by their covers. But, like, my dude, uh, he was a whole mess. And uh, then he, like, texted me that night, and I never responded because I fucking told him I wouldn't. And then, I don't know, that weekend he texted me again, and again, I didn't respond. He's like, he's like, all I wanted was to know what pages we had to read for class. And so I responded, and I told him 365 to 368. And then he's like, what are you doing? So that's not all you wanted. And I was like, I'm out to eat with my boyfriend right now. <laughs> I was out to eat with my the people I was friends with at the time um and then he never talked to me again <laughs> so it kind of worked I guess we love that it takes you saying that there's a man in your life for him to right. leave you alone right it's great it's great being a woman mm-hmm. so anyway Belle goes after her dad yep she goes after her dad she goes to the castle and lets herself in because that's just what people do apparently she finds her father and he begs her to leave but she says she won't leave him and she offers herself up to the beast in turn for her father to be released the beast is taking her to her quarters and sees her crying and we see a little bit of humanity kind of flash across his face like he kind of feels bad and Lumiere encourages him to speak to her, so he awkwardly welcomes her to her new home, says he can, she can go anywhere besides the West Wing. Lumiere tells him to invite her to dinner, and he does, but does it way too harsh and says, you, you must eat with me tonight. Reminded me of, like, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> When I was like in elementary school because we were one of those families where she's like, we're eating dinner together every night, every night. And 
like if she made something fucking nasty like i didn't want to go and eat and oh my god the fights that would happen when we were back home last weekend or the weekend before whenever it was two weeks ago yeah two weeks ago um Tam was telling Jacob about how she had the rule that we would all eat together and the kids weren't allowed to leave the table until the last one was finished eating and this picky bitch did not ever finish her meals and how Michael and Zach would be screaming and crying because they wanted to go and I didn't care and wouldn't finish my meals and she was like I think she actually kind of enjoyed it when they would get all upset. (laughs) My mom, it was the same exact way. Like, you're going to finish your dinner or, like, we're not leaving. Uh, she wouldn't make every Wednesday. Like, I'd just have to sit there. She'd, like, turn the lights off on me and she'd, like, I'd be sitting there in the dark. Yeah, crying. I don't know why she thought that I would care that Michael and Zach were stuck with me. Like, we were in solidarity or, solidarity or something. Like, I don't care. And also she was like, I don't know why those idiots didn't just eat her food while I was out of the room. Like, why didn't they think of that? I remember they would always tell me to push it around and make it look like I had eaten more (laughs) of it. Like, if I readjusted where everything was on my plate, it would fool her. To be in dumb child again. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, I mean, not anyway. (laughs) I need to stop. I need to get better at my words. Back in the village, Gaston is having a little bitch fest about Belle rejecting him and embarrassing him in front of everybody. And then LeFou, to hype him up, sings the Gaston song to him, talking about how strong he is and no one fights like, like, like Gaston and all that great qualities that people are looking for in a man. Mm-hmm. At the conclusion, Belle's dad runs into the little tavern they're at, interrupting and telling everyone about the beast and asking for help because he needs to save Belle. But they, again, have a little rumor that he's crazy and going on, so they just throw him out and ignore him. But this awakens a plan with Gaston, and he decides to take advantage of this man's mental state to get his daughter's hand in marriage. Back in the castle, the furniture is all speaking to Belle, telling her it's time to come down to dinner, but she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. No one can tell me what to do. The beast is impatiently waiting. He's crawling around, trying to figure out where she's at, and he and some of the pieces of furniture begin discussing how she could be the one who breaks the curse. The furniture is trying to tell him how to be charming and that he needs to not have such a huge temper. And then the door opens and Cogsworth comes in and breaks the news that Belle is refusing to come to dinner. The beast, of course, loses his temper and sprints to her room and aggressively tries getting her to come down. The furniture tries to tell him he needs to chill out. He doesn't, and he says that she can starve them because if she doesn't eat with him, she's not going to eat at all. Then while he is gone, we see him pull out his little magic mirror where he can see anything he wants to see, and he looks in on Belle and hears her talking shit about him. And It's kind of a dangerous mirror. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he could do a lot of bad things with that. You could. You really could. As he's listening to her talk shit, a petal drops from the rose. 
Some time has passed and it's the night and we see Belle sneaking out of her room. Lumiere sees this and alerts the others and they take her down to the dining hall and sing Be Our Guest. One of the most exciting musical numbers. One of my, mm-hmm. my favorite. The showmanship. I wanted to say here that Mrs. Potts has clearly played favorites. Because she's got a bunch of kids. I, I guess. Yeah. And Chip is the only one that she ever lets hang out with her. And I when it shows them going to sleep later. later yeah. And she's like, go join your brothers and sisters. And there's like 10 cups in there. I don't know if you have this fun fact, but I was looking up Easter eggs just to see which ones this movie had, and I saw that um, the chip was voiced by a little boy named Bradley Pierce, and he was only supposed to have one line in the movie, but he was so cute that they were like, you can have more, you're you're a main character now, and I was like, that was a good decision, because he's so cute. Yeah, very cute. But uh, another thing I wanted to point out. There's a line in Be Our Guest, and we know that Lumiere is horny on Maine, where he says, needing so much more than dusting, and then he says something about we need exercise, and I was like, this man needs sex. Like, he's, like, <laughs> so annoyed that he doesn't have a penis. <sighs> and I just really can't decide if I would absolutely love all my dinnerware to be dancing and performing for me, like, while I'm trying to eat, or if it would really irritate me, because I'm like, just like, let's get on with this. I mean, as long as you don't have to use it, and you can use, like, the auxiliary, auxiliary like, not the main utensils, but, like, there are some other ones I could keep quiet throughout it, so you could use those, <laughs> and the rest of them can entertain you. Uh, so, throughout the song, they give her dinner, and they give her a look into what has happened to them and what life has been like since their cor- their curse. After the performance, Belle expresses that she wants to see more of the castle and gets Cogsworth to take her on a tour, which one of my favorite lines is when he was talking about the artwork, the Baroque artwork, and he says, if it's not Baroque, don't fix it. <laughs> yes. Kills. <laughs> um, then... Belle, despite his protest, wanders off towards the West Wing, the one place Beast told her not to go. They try to stop her, but she proceeds, and she wanders into the room where she sees all the destroyed furniture, the ripped tapestry of him as a boy. She, like, lifts it. Like, she, like, puts it back together. And I know I know in that moment she's like, oh, my God. Oh, no, he's hot. She was like, this could be worth it. Like, play the long <laughs> game. <laughs> right. Then she finds the enchanted rose, and she tries to take the cover off of it. And I have a note here that this would be you sticking your nose where you don't belong. Since you... For sure, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Snooping. Yep. Snooping it up. Uh, the beast discovers her in the West Wing and messing with his rose and throws a tantrum. And he's like, you don't know what you could have done. And then Belle runs away and out the castle, but then on her way out, she is surrounded by wolves. The beast comes to rescue her, but not without injury. And this is where the love connection begins. And they're back inside. She- uh, the literary world, this is called a uh, hurt comfort. <laughs> <laughs> a popular tag on uh, AO3. 
Uh, but I do want to say, I remember when I was a kid, I was really afraid of like the chase scene. I was really scared for the horse. I didn't want the horse. I didn't fuck out. I didn't want the horse to get hurt. And then when she sort of hurts the wolves, I remember feeling bad for the wolves. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Um, and then when her hair, when her hair flies down, gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Yep. So back in the castle, Belle tends to his wounds. They have a little bit of a bicker session. We're like, "This is your fault." And no, it's your fault. You shouldn't have yelled at me. Well, you shouldn't have been in the West Wing. And then she thanks him for saving her life. I just realized I have like a bunch of notes for this this part of the film. Okay, so first of all, I know it's a little anti-feminist, and we've talked about this before, to be into the whole damsel in distress thing, but, like, what Hawkeye behavior to come and save her like that. And yeah. Like, I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. Um, and second of all, when he's hurt and she, like, looks back at the castle, she's like, we gotta get back there. I know that horse was, like, really gonna put his fat ass on <laughs> my back. <laughs> like, really? And she didn't have any boots on, so she just got trudged through the snow in her little flats girl and then when they're back in the um in the castle and she's tending to his wounds he's licking his wounds and that reminded me of a little fun fact i learned just recently which is that the rumor or the the fact that comes from or that people say that dogs have like really like hygienic mouths yeah antiseptic properties like that's bullshit the reason people think that is because dogs when they get hurt they do lick their wounds and they say that dogs have like a faster recovery period and that's why they thought like their spit had some healing properties or something but it doesn't the reason their wounds heal faster is because when they lick them they're like increasing blood flow to that area so it can heal faster Hmm. so i guess next time you have a wound just lick lick it it and see what happens (laughs) i do do that already I am a freak. If I, like, bleed on my fingers or something, I'll suck the blood. Oh. Anyway, continue. Um, we see Belle starting to kind of, it seemed like she's enjoying her time at the castle, and the beast is always there lurking and pining for her. He says that he wants to do something for her, but doesn't know what. Well, hold on, you skipped the scene. What? The scene after she's done like fixing him up, it goes back to the village where Gaston is making a little deal with someone with some creepazoid. Yeah, did you recognize the creepazoid? I don't. That was, I believe it was Frollo from Hunchback. Really? Same same voice. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was like the same like character animation or whatever. Uh, He actually, to me, looked like the guy from Ratatouille, but which maybe it could be because they're both in France. Maybe he's immortal. Anyway, Gaston pays him, so we know he's up yes. to something to yeah. throw her dad away. Yes. To a cyborg. He'd be scheming. Be scheming, too. And then Belle, and then the next scene, Belle's green dress. Not a want. It's a need. It is a need. It truly is a need. Beast is all like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I keep interrupting you. Beast is all like, I've never felt this way about yeah. anyone. He's like, Boy, it's been a date. <laughs> like, relax. Keep it in your pants. He wants to do something for her, but he doesn't know what, and Cogsworth responds, well, there's the usual things, flowers, chocolates, promises you don't intend to keep. And this line was actually not originally in it. The man who voiced him improvised it, and the directors liked it so much that they kept it in. 
And this is where we all fell for Beast, if we hadn't already, because we love a toxic man. Um, he gives Belle the library. To be honest, I wouldn't be able to keep it in my pants if some man gifted me a beautiful library. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> I would throw away all morals. Big time. Yeah. I, I We've talked about this, my love, love language is gifts. gifts. Okay. Yes. Okay. You give me things, I'm yours. Give me like a fucking Chanel bag or something. You can have whatever you want. You hear that, boys? <laughs> um, My cash app is. <laughs> Actually, I don't even think I have a cash app. In the scene, there is a hidden Mickey. At the top center of one of the bookshelves. I'm not sure which one. I didn't see it, but people are saying there's one there. The beast begins showing her his softer side. They feed the birds together. They're eating together. She licks her bowl like a dog like he does with him. And they start singing the song Something There, where they note that they're starting to notice something between the two of them trying to figure out if it's real or if they're just kind of imagining the little connection that's been sparked and the pieces of the furniture are like this is it it's gonna happen we're gonna she's the one we're gonna get to go back to normal why are you looking at me like that i don't i'm just looking at you what's the big deal oh no it was a weird your eyes were doing some crazy shit sorry let me see the beast being groomed and he has Lumiere talking to him, telling him that tonight's the night. They're going to set up a place all night so he can profess his love to her. And the Beast is all nervous. Yes. When he's getting groomed, all I could think about was what does his peen look like? Yeah. Yeah. Where is I it? I get is that. Is it like Is it hidden in all is the fur? How far does the fur expand into the ass cheeks? Like, yeah. Yeah. Are there ass cheeks? I mean, like, do wolves have ass cheeks? He's got a... Well, I guess he might not have ass cheeks because he's got a tail. Whatever. The anatomy. And then his his fancy man haircut that they give him. Actually, hold up. I have a button with his fancy man haircut. Beautiful. Thank you. Um... So Belle makes her, her entrance with the iconic yellow gown. Just mm-hmm. beautiful. I need everything that she's ever worn in this movie. I want it all. It's not fair that I can't have it. Mm-hmm. They make their way down the staircase while Mrs. Potts begins to sing the title song, Beauty and the Beast. This is the song that won the Academy Award for Best Original Song. Um... Fun fact, when Angela Lansbury heard the demo of Beauty and the Beast, she said it was kind of like a rock song. It wasn't the same vibe. And she told him that, like, it's a sweet message they're trying to convey, so this shouldn't be the style, and it's not her style, and did they really want her to do it like that? So they told him that she could just sing the song the way she envisioned it, and that's what they did. She tried to do it in the way that she envisioned an English teapot would sing the song. Producer, yeah. Producer Don Hahn said that Lansbury went into the booth and sang Beauty and the Beast from beginning to end and just nailed it. Um, most of it is just, there's like a couple touch-ups here and there, but most of it is all in one take that was used from the movie, used for the movie. They have their little, little dancey dance, and then Beast asks Belle 
if she's happy with him. And she says yes, but she's a little bit reluctant. 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 And she wishes she could see her father, if only just one more time. So the beast reveals his magic mirror to her and says she can see her father. Um, she can see anywhere that she would like. And when she uh, gets the image of her father, he's like laying in the snow, like crawling, obviously in distress. And Belle is worried, so Beast, being the man that he is, says that she's free to be with her father. Okay. There's a moment here where he's, like, handing her the mirror. And he, like, touches, touches her, her hair. hair. He, like, grabs her hair. And I was like, oh, my God, am I a furry? Yeah. Like, I had, I had like, a moment. I was like, oh, wait a second. That really made me feel something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I felt <laughs> it, too. It really very did. sexy animation. Good mm-hmm. on you. Whoever, you know, a woman was like, <laughs> let's just like have him touch her hair. Um. Yeah. So Belle leaves. She's riding away on the horse, and uh, Beast roars in pain while he watches her ride away. She finds her father, but the riled up townsfolk, egged on by Gaston, come to collect him. And take him to an asylum, noting his ramblings about a beast. Uh, Belle begs Gaston to make it stop to help him. And he says that he will help if she marries him. Which she, of course, is like, no. In an attempt to protect her father, she says that the beast is real. And shows the beast to the people using the magic mirror. She tells them all about how kind and gentle he is and how he wouldn't hurt anyone but of course Gaston spins his portrayal of him saying he's a monster that's the moment like Gaston's like oh you like him like that's the moment he realized that he's been obsessed with a furry the whole time (laughs) like my chest hair my chest hair cannot compete (laughs) he says I say we kill the beast And then the mob song occurs where they're all getting their pitchforks and shit ready to go attack the castle. Gaston locks up Belle and Maurice saying that he can't have them in the way. They get to the castle. They're ravaging it, fighting with the furniture. And the furniture is, like, getting them back. And it's a hot battle. And while this is all taking place, Gaston sneaks up on Beast, who is in full-on depression. And he sneaks up on him, he shoots him with an arrow. They kind of fight, but the beast really isn't doing anything. And this is, like, as if Gaston wasn't infuriating enough throughout the movie. He's like, what's the matter? Are you too kind and gentle to fight back? (laughs) And that's what I'm talking about, where the whole don't judge a book by his cover thing is, like, the best. It's, like, this hunk of a man, Gaston, but he's like, oh, you're kind and gentle? What's wrong with you? It's that shit, Ugh. I couldn't, I can't handle it. It really, really got me hot. And not and in the good way. Not in the good way. <laughs> <laughs> um, Belle gets out and she's running to the castle. She's getting closer to them. And Gaston is like, do you really love her? Do you really think she could love you when she has me back home? And it's like, yeah, because you're kind of a piece of shit. Then the beast gets his grip on Gaston, making him seem like a little bitch, and he's begging for his life. And he's like, you need to get out of here or you're going to die. 
So then Belle appears and she calls for the beast. They share a little tender moment, which again, like the whole hair thing when they, he has his hand on her face and all that and grabs her tiny little hand and his giant paw. Oh, that, that did some stuff. Uh-huh. Really did. Um, but while this is happening, Gaston stabs the beast in the back. Just some real pussy shit. Uh-huh. And the beast knocks Gaston down to his death, presumably. And Disney really had a thing for people falling to their deaths in this time. I literally had the same thought. <laughs> I, I feel like we really need to be keeping track of the Disney villains who would just die from falling off of yeah. high, <laughs> high places or being pushed off somewhere. Yeah. Uh, they're usually, actually using that push. They usually fall like on, you know, it's sort of like their own fault. And I feel like they do that because it's just sort of a, a clean way to, to get rid of the villain. So you know they're dead, but you don't have to see like, yeah. like a bloody mess in a kid's movie. So the beast, um, his wound is getting to him. He is losing his strength. He's starting to fade and Belle sobs over his body and says that she loves him. And then the magic happens. The beast's body rises up, starts to levitate, doing some some spins in the sky while he transforms back into a human, into his princely self. I'm just really not into blonde men. The blonde, blue eyed thing is like not for me. I get it. He's he's good looking, but you know what? I've also. Yeah. I've never liked the blonde hair, like, blue eyes thing. It just never was for me. When I was younger and people were like, this is it. Like, that's the hottest stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know. But I feel like that was really popular when we were out young, you know what I mean? Like, the, the Brad tips, Pitt. Like, Aaron Carter. Yeah. And, and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I do have a note that the look on Belle's face, she seemed a little bit disappointed. <laughs> She's probably a full-on furry at this point and is not impressed. She kind of, you know, comes to term with it and is like, all right, I guess this boy is fine. He'll do. Well, I like when he's like, Belle, it's me. And then she has to like. She's like, it is you. I was like, bitch. You watched him transform. What did you just see with your own eyes? Like, what did you just watch? Like, replay it over in your head. Like, are you stupid? I know you're not stupid, but are you stupid? (laughs) Uh, so they share their kiss, of course, and some fireworks light up the sky, and it uncovers the castle from its darkness, returns all of the furniture pieces to their true form. And then we get the closing dance scene, which stole animation from Sleeping Beauty. Um, anyway, I love that Lumiere in his, like, human form just looks like a dweeb. <laughs> yes, and the feather duster, hot as hell. Super bombshell, super. and then uh, Mrs. Potts is like a hundred years old, and Chip is like four. Years old, Chip like eight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so was he? And then you know, as we previously discussed, there's you know he's got like ten brothers and sisters. So did she just, just not stop having kids? Is Chip like a miracle baby? Is it one of those situations where like one of her kids accidentally had him? She's like, oh, I guess I'm mom now. Yep. Like we're gonna pretend. You know what's the girl all day at the end why is it just her and chip just her and chip stop playing favorites Mm -hmm. yep also at the end there you know about reusing her 
yellow ball gown. Mm-hmm. We love a sustainable fashion. Queen. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Belle is an outfit repeater. Big time. So, some closing fun facts. Belle is the second Disney princess not royal by birth. She doesn't become a princess until the conclusion of the film with her marriage to the prince. She is, or the first heroine that wasn't born royal was Cinderella. An early version of the movie contained no music. It also gave Belle a little sister named Clarice and a cat named Charlie. That would have been too busy, I think. Guess who originally auditioned for the part of the Beast? I feel like I know this. I feel like I read this somewhere. (laughs) Give me a hint. I don't know how to give you a hint. I never (laughs) would have expected it. It definitely wouldn't have fit. Let me think. Jeff Goldblum. Regis Philbin. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, I would never want to guess that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um... While the Beast is a main character, he isn't named at all in the animated film. Wasn't think that his name is Adam. Though. Yeah, it says it I wasn't saw... until the Broadway musical that Disney announced that his character's name was Prince Adam. Well, even so, because I actually just read something about this like a okay. while back, and like the people who made the film though, they're like, no, it's not Adam. No. no. They're like, we never intended him to be named Adam. Like, people just picked that up. Like, that was, like, a fan creation. And they said if we were going to name him, it would have been a French name. It wouldn't have been Adam. Adam. Yeah. Um, Which I guess Adam's, like, a really old name, a biblical name. So I'm sure there are people in France called Adam. But, like, they probably wouldn't. What's, like, a what's a French name? Jean-Pierre? Something like that. You know what I mean? Jacques. Jacques. Prince Jacques. Now, here is something that I want to know if you have any clarification on. Okay. So, I saw a couple of things that said that um, Belle was supposed to be the oldest Disney princess and that she's supposed to be in her 20s, not a teenager in the film. And there's a quote from the Paige O'Hara who voiced her saying... um, She's the only princess created to be in their 20s. All the other princesses have been teenagers, so there's a maturity about her. But a bunch of Disney shit, it said that she was 17. Do you know how old? I No, I don't, but I also read that she was in her 20s. Yeah, so, I mean, she definitely read more, like, in her 20s than a For sure. 17-year-old. So I'm going to choose to believe that. Not that she was 17. Me too. And also... The confusion surrounding Beast's age. Because it says in the story that the rose will um, stop falling on his 21st birthday. And in Be Our Guest, Lumiere says we've been rusting for 10 years. Which means he would have been 11 when he was turned into the Beast. And that just does not add up for me yeah at least not in those like he did not look 11 (laughs) in that opening sequence i feel like maybe there's just 
And also, how is this enchantress just gonna curse an 11 year old? Like, of course he's a shit. Right. He's 11. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's just like the age of Mrs. Potts and Chip. Like, I they just did not pay attention to detail, I guess. They probably did, but they probably just thought this is a kid movie. Like, they're not gonna. They're not gonna notice. What about the Disney adults? Were they not thinking of us? <laughs> Those weren't quite uh, what they are now back then, I guess. It's, it's true. That's all I have. I have a fun fact. Tell me. Lay it on me. I have a couple. Well, Belle is the first Disney princess with brown hair. Brown hair. I saw that as well, but I thought that's yeah. a pretty lame fucking fact. Do they think they were doing something <laughs> groundbreaking there? Uh, I think so. Okay. Just all blonde and uh, black hair. Boring. And red hair. Um, and then a common, like, trend between notable female characters in cinema especially in Disney movies is that they wear the color blue and uh like Cinderella Elsa Alice Alice in Wonderland and um the executive executive director at Pantone Color Institute Latrice Iceman told Allure magazine that this is because uh, you know, blue is partially attributed to the color of the sky, and it's something to look forward to. Sorry, I can't read. I have dyslexia. Something to look forward to, to see a blue sky. It's dependable. It's reliable. It might cloud up sometimes, but you know, it's, you know, it's always there, and it'll come back. I did see something saying that none of the other, like, none of the townsfolk wore blue. Belle was the only one from the village to wear blue. And um, also that the film was kind of like rushed apparently. It was made in two years, which apparently is really quick for something like this. And also since it's the 30th anniversary, there's gonna be, I saw like a, an article that said there's gonna be a, a Disney Plus. It might already be up now, I don't know. Um, about like a special for it. And I think Emma Watson's gonna be on it and stuff. Hmm. nice. Yeah. That's all I have. Um, in... Seattle, there is an exhibit at a museum there that has all of the costumes from like the live action Disney movies. It's like the Disney heroes and villains exhibit and it has Gaston and Beast and Belle's costumes all there and I really have to stop myself from jumping over the things and stealing Belle's dresses. I feel like me and Abba Watson would be the same size. Uh, I think she's a little bit taller than you. Well, but like maybe uh, like width. I feel like we're close enough that I could fit. Um, I remember when Enchanted first came out. I loved the movie Enchanted. And I was obsessed with her dresses and her clothes in Enchanted. And I remember going to the Disney store one Christmas time and they had like a drawing a giveaway that you could enter to win like I don't know if they were clothes like hers or if you were going to win the actual costume but I wanted to win that so bad I entered and my mom entered which would have just gone to me um and 
I thought about that for like like months. I was like, am I gonna win this? Like I really thought I was gonna win. And I'm a little upset that I did it. My only question is, I think we both agree that this is a great enemies to lovers story. We love the romance of it. Does the whole Stockholm syndrome play any part and add any distaste to the film for you? I feel like she wasn't there long enough to have Stockholm syndrome. You know what I mean? She was there for two days. I get the I get the argument, but I don't really think that's that big of an issue. I also feel she like she wanted sh- to leave, like the town she wanted to leave the castle like she tried to escape like she clearly wasn't oh yeah i don't think there was like long enough for her to feel dependent on him at all like i just don't get that yeah i agree and also i I feel like she wanted an excuse to get out of the town anyways and was like assessed the situation and was like i probably won't have any actual harm i'll just you know Get away from the people who think I'm a weirdo. Get away from this creep Gaston who won't leave me alone. Agree. Any other questions? I don't. That was it. That's the only thing I could... I feel like when we watch these movies with the songs that we always have to discuss what our favorite song is. I think mine is probably... I think Belle. It really sets the tone for it. Opens it up. Mm -hmm. I also like Be Our Guest a lot, but I'd probably say Belle. That was probably mine, too. And when we eventually go to Disney World, I hope they don't close it by the time we go, but there's a, a ride situation called Mickey's Philharmagic. And uh, it's like one of those, you know, you sit in a theater and it's like a 3D movie, but your seat moves and they blow smells at you and stuff. And there's a really cool PR guest sequence in that. That's really fun. Any closing thoughts? I just like really love Belle. Yeah. I do think she's probably one of my favorite Mm -hmm. Disney characters. I think she's really like spirited and smart and independent and that she has no shame that she's afraid. Like I, she just embraces who she is. I feel like they really easily like could have tipped into like a pick me girl territory with her too. Mm -hmm. And it was well adjusted. Like Avoided. And if they made it today, you know she would have been so annoying. And oh, yes. yes. Because that's what they always try and do that, where they try and, like, these adults that make these movies don't consult young people, you know what I mean? They just see stuff on the internet, and they're like, this is what the young people want to see. Mm-hmm. And they just make these insufferable characters. Like, I don't watch Ginny and Georgia, but I think you do, right? Yeah. And people, I but I do see people clowning on the daughter, Jenny, mm-hmm. is the daughter Jenny, uh, about how, like, cool she thinks she is and how people, you know, what an SJW she is and how, I just feel like that's a prime example of older people writing a character who they think young people will like. Yeah. I have a pen given to me by you. Yes. I also give you a Gaston pen. Yeah. He's in uh, a container by my bed. You better be. Yes. Um, but this right, one's my that one my favorite Christmas. pin ever. My enchanted yes. rose pin with a little stained glass behind it. Um, I cherish her. I keep her in a little heart dish that's on my table. Do I have any beauty in the basement? I don't know that I do. Hold on. 
I had that button, beast button. Oh my god, I don't. I have every other princess up there. I don't have Belle. Mm. I think my mom might have a Belle one, but my I don't know if she keeps her pins. Goodness, that's a shock. I'll have to get one next time I go. I almost got a chip pin um, that I had in my cart a while back, but it sold out before I could like buy it. Mm. But yeah, I don't have one. I just have that button. All right. You know what? I did get my little cousin a bell pin. So maybe that's why I thought that I had one because mm. I did buy one. Just not for me. <laughs> so, Megan, what are we rating this movie? I am going to give it my my 10 out of 10. Okay. I'm not going to fight you on that. <laughs> Like I said, I, it's, I was... It's just a really solid story. Yeah, like, like I said, I was worried it quickly. wasn't... It doesn't drag on, like, it's got a good lesson, likable characters, and who's the hottest? I don't want to say Beast, but I kind of want to say Beast. <laughs> but Belle's a hottie. We'll go with Belle. What do you think? What if... <laughs> <laughs> what? I'll just put this out here for Feather Duster. <laughs> if you really want to, I would agree with it. No, I feel like we should go with Belle because she doesn't even, Feather Duster doesn't even have a name. Feather Duster. Who did we pick as hottest in Hunchback? Esmeralda. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just didn't write it down. All right. What's our next flick? I'm conflicted. Okay. Because I feel like I also want to choose my favorite now. But is it too much to do both of our favorites both in a row? You know what I mean? Like, should we not savor them? I feel like we have a couple of more that we're both almost as excited about as our favorite. Yeah. So, like, why don't we just knock them out? Okay. Well, my favorite Disney movie of all time is The Emperor's New Group. <laughs> <laughs> so that will be what we watch next. Okay. <laughs> and I could... On Black Friday, I ordered some Emperor's New Groove merch. <laughs> so, I actually already have probably too much, but I ordered a couple <laughs> things that I'm very excited about. <laughs> I'm going to do a show and tell for you. I cannot wait for the show and tell. I'm already going to write 10 out of 10 on my list. Okay. Day. <laughs> That's what I'm giving it. Okay. And I will fucking fight you <laughs> if you try and give it any less than that, because that is my favorite movie. <laughs> Alright, what's oh. the French word for good goodbye? I know bon nuit, night, good night. Don't talk to me about French. You don't know. Okay. Well, bon nuit, Megan. Bon nuit? Bon nuit. Oh, okay, yeah, that checks out. I remember that now. Bon nuit, Abby.